Hi, I'm Kim Fisher with ABC4 Utah, and you're listening to KU Radio. This is Joey Diaz, and you're listening to All You Radio. You're beautiful, baby. Thank you for your time, guys. I love you guys. Listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. And it hurts so good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing fine and dandy now. This is Sasha Bloom with OU Radio here live at the University of Utah on Thursday. We have no Keith McDonald in studio. He's being rude to us. He thought going to see Miss Lauren Hill was more important. I disagree. It's not. Not even close. But you know what? Because Keith, which you haven't met, is such a good man, it took two men to fill his shoes. Yeah, they're two really funny men, so I imagine he's pretty great. So we'll have Steve Solberg, friend of the show, Mike Grover in studio, one of the funny upcoming talents, and then we have you, a gem in Salt Lake City. Stop it. No, I'm serious. I have such a crush on you. (laughs) See, I can get away with flirting on air. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. Who, what, when, where, what? Born and raised in Salt Lake City. Uh, attended this university briefly and then pretty much just doing comedy and uh, life-sucking customer service. I hear point. you're the master at that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Of customer service. It's not good because I want to be, ju- I'm just good at it so bosses and, and whatnot don't get on my back. Yes. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> Are you, what type of customer service do you do? It's a really random job. I used to work for Verizon, just call centers and stuff, and now uh, I work for a government contracted agency that manages just two freeways in LA. It's very random. Whoa, from Salt Lake City? Yeah. It's terrible, too, the whole system. No wonder their traffic is awful. Yeah, it's probably (laughs) our fault. Uh, They hire the worst people, including myself. And then then, uh, our systems, our phone systems are based in New Jersey. Our call center is in Salt Lake, and then everything else is in L.A. So it's just a jumble of mess. So do you take care of the 10 and the 405? or The 10 and the 110. Oh, just madness. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. It makes me grateful for our traffic here, though, because it just seems like a nightmare mm-hmm. out there. So, I read your articles online that you did with uh, Always Funny in Salt Lake and Gavin's Underground. Mm-hmm. You have very good punctuation. You're a very fluid writer. English major, drop out here. Why drop out? 
just uh i don't think it was for me to be honest uh i might give it another try uh but i think if i do i'd probably start at a community college level and i don't think i want to go to school to necessarily obtain any degree i would just want to go because oh this class looks interesting or something mm-hmm. so eh, no real aspirations in that area when you were a girl and a young woman did you have a diary were you always writing because i've read in there that you we're always writing jokes, always thinking of jokes. Mm-hmm. Jokes, yeah, I started writing when I was a pretty young teenager. I just had, like, ideas, but I had no idea how to develop them, just things that I would write about. But, no, any other type of writing took a lot to get out of me. I could do that thing. I don't know if anyone else did this, but you you maybe write, like, one entry in a diary, and then you don't touch it for, like, six months. And then I would go back and just be so embarrassed at the melodrama that I put in there. I just burn it. It was really embarrassing to myself. <laughs> was it about love life? Was it about dreams? Was it just your views on the world? It was, like, family stuff, and then also, like, oh, crush on students. <laughs> it's you so know. cute when... Ladies write that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're the lady who wrote it and then reads it, and then it's really (laughs) gross and embarrassing. Is it inappropriate for anyone that's not the writer of a diary to open a diary that's not yours and read it? No, because I want to read someone's diary, probably. (laughs) I could say, say, yeah, it's sacred, but then if I was presented with an opportunity in the future, I'd be a hypocrite. I, I totally read it. I did that with a girlfriend once. Like, oh, she got so mad that, at me. That's like, I don't know. Is that like present day? Is that equated to looking in someone's phone, or is looking in someone's phone way worse than looking in their diary? That's a great question. Because my phone's clean. I don't have any mm. dirty pictures. I don't have porn in my phone. Like, I'm a, I'm a sophisticated man. But I think I completely violated like all trust she had developed <laughs> with me. Like. I think she basically told me to F off and I never want to see you again. Did she write it? That would be so great if she knew you were reading her diary and then she just broke up with you in the diary. It was like, F you, man. <laughs> well, see, it was such a bizarre diary because the whole thing was on her crushes with men. Mm-hmm. And so, like, every other page was like, oh, I want to do this and I would love to do that. Like, and were these prior, like, old, old entries or were these, like, recent entries? So, I was house-sitting for her. And I probably read a good 300 pages that night. Like, it it was a total assault (laughs) on her privacy. She just needs to develop those a little (laughs) bit more, get, like, some erotic novels going. (laughs) She's got a lot of material there. I think she actually has a blog somewhere, but I'm not going to plug it because I don't want (laughs) to out her and call her out. Or there might be a story about you. I'd hope so. I hope I left enough of an impact on a human being's (laughs) life. (laughs) After reading their diary, yes. (laughs) But I felt really bad about it, and... I, it actually taught me one of those great life lessons when, that you need to appreciate people's privacy, that it's valued, especially in this country. And so I, I've kind of always rolled, I mean, I was like 17 or 18 when I did this. And so now that I'm older, like I've really learned to value people's trust, their privacy and respect them. Or if you wanted to just be selfish and not care about them, but still not read their stuff, you could think of it as overcoming your own curiosity. Just like a victory for yourself. (laughs) I did this. I did not read this. (laughs) I'm a great person. But I don't keep a blog. Do you you blog at all? No. No? Do you like blogging? Do you read blogs? I do, but just sporadically. I'm definitely not an avid follower of any particular blog. But it's so, it's still because there's so many radio things and blogs and just different things and, and short films people make that are so, so talented that, I mean, it's a good thing we're so inundated with those, but it's overwhelming to the point that I don't 
know where to start. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I'll take recommendations off of here. <laughs> Sounds good. So you're a student at the University of Utah. You drop out. You have to work. You know, going to school is expensive. And then there's this comedy thing that's always been in your head. Mm-hmm. And you got in. You weren't afraid. You, you let your fear and ambition and the butterflies in your stomach go. After a long time, we should clarify. How long of uh, tapping your thumb on the table and thinking um, about it? It was a long time. I was When I was working for Verizon Wireless, I remember for ugh, like a year and a half straight, every single Wednesday, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go after work. I'm going to go to open mic at Wise Guys. I'm going to do this. But I had, at the time, my anxiety and depression were the most heightened they'd ever been. And so it would just knock me down every week, and I wouldn't go do it. And then finally, when I did do it, I didn't even do great. But just, I mean, anyone who does stand-up can tell you, just actually getting up and doing it feels freaking amazing. Where was the anxiety from? Uh, that, uh, I don't know. Just uh, I think it's just a combination of normal anxiety you'd have about getting up on stage, especially mm-hmm. do comedy, and then just like, personal things that I've that have caused anxiety throughout my whole life that kind of you know for most people it's like sticks with you mm-hmm. like just like the root cause because you're a very beautiful human being so I couldn't imagine that you're uncomfortable with people looking at you or being around people I didn't used to I used to be a uh, really uh heavy uh from I'm for <laughs> listeners I'm like five two mm-hmm. uh and I used to weigh quite a bit and so that my whole life was one of the things that stifled me my personality especially when I came here to the university I just f- would shut myself down from opening up to people and friendships and stuff because I just felt uh not comfortable with myself you are outed as a lesbian was who did that who did that <laughs> why why Solberg, <laughs> when he walks in here. <laughs> <laughs> was your anxiety and weight issues having to do with you not being able to be who you are? No, that was never really a big thing. If there was any turmoil surrounding my sexuality, it was pretty brief. Like in my family, my dad had a hard time accepting it for a while, but then, I mean, maybe like a year later, he totally cool, level-headed about it, so... No, it's more, it more actually stems from my upbringing. Uh, it was pretty rough, uh, homeless most of the time. Uh, you were. Yeah, my family was. We, I mean, we, we did have a roof over heads, but it wasn't necessarily the best place to mm-hmm. be. It was just moving from house to house of, like, people who were friends with my dad uh, weren't necessarily the most desirable people to have around or places to live. Um, but so there was always just this constant feeling of, oh, I need to adapt, I need to adapt, mm-hmm. and, you know, so that kind of puts you on edge all the time. There's tremendous pressure for a young person going from school to school and from town to town. I did it a lot. I can't tell you how many elementary schools I've gone to, but what's weird, I mean, I know people who, like, are army brats and stuff, they moved all over the country. I just have gone to uh, an insane number of schools in Utah, so, and lived in a lot of different places and neighborhoods in Utah. Do you maintain friendships with kids from back in the day? Mm, The longest I've been friends with people is uh, since I was 14, so, like, 12 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm a transplant from Utah. I came out from California. And I'm starting to realize I'm losing all my high school friends. Oh, no. You know, because I don't go back much anymore. Right. Like, my life is here. I have a kid here. My parents are still out there. But who wants to go sleep at your parents' house for four <laughs> days and deal with TSA? And it's like, no. And I'm not certainly not driving 15 hours. Like You got a good thing going here. <laughs> they can come to you. <laughs> That's what it's I fine. tell her. <laughs> I was like, well, you... Oh, see, the nice thing is my son is like this. He'll be 12 next week, 
and he's super independent. So we'll just send him on the plane by himself. Mm, that would, is that is that really was that really hard for you before and you're used to it now or no, how do you not him. freak out? That's him. He freaks out. No, he loves it. Oh, but do you freak out? I would freak out. I don't remember kids, but it took so much convincing from my mom and his mother to allow the first time to happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going there, and like I was, I was completely freaked out. And he was like, oh, well, I'm fine. Like, I don't care. I don't need you. He's like, like I can read. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> He's like, get away, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be terrified if it was my kid. I don't know. But it's scary watching these. L- like, his mother told me that he's going. He, he might be going through puberty. Might be? Like, yeah. She was like, I think probably going through puberty. And it was the most revolting, like, <laughs> word I've heard <laughs> in 20 years. It was disgusting. <laughs> I totally get that. Because I pretty much raised my younger brother. Uh, he's eight years younger than me. And he just turned 18. And it's just been, uh, I turned 18 like 10 days ago. And it's just been, since he was 12, I would, I would agree with that age, it's just been a constant, how do I interact with this person? Because I went from being like, okay, I need to not be his mother anymore. I need to be his sister and just be, like, there for him as a sister. But I can't deal with him growing up because I'm, like, feeling it all as a mother. And it was it was definitely weird. Like, every year got weird in a new way. <laughs> and kids, at least boys, because I've never had a daughter, and I didn't have a lot of girls who were friends when I was younger. But little boys are filthy. Like, they're disgusting <laughs> animals. And it's like I have to teach him how to chew his food. They are gross. <laughs> They're super gross. And it's like, and now you feel bad because you don't want to point out to them how gross they are. Maybe do it in a constructive way. But, yeah, my brother went through that. My roommate has a 14-year-old nephew who, when he comes over, it's gross. Uh, my uh, ex-girlfriend has a, a 16-year-old son who, like, anytime I'd be at her place, it was just gross. And I'm like, is this just a teenage <laughs> boy thing? I don't. One of my best friend's. This was before I knew him in his 16, 17. He came from a unique family atmosphere. And they called him Pigpen. And his whole, like, he lived in the basement. And it was, from what I told, it was porn magazines and trash and garbage everywhere. He slept with no sheets. What was, uh, do you know that reminds me? That, I feel like that's the grown-up version of that character from Charlie Brown that always has, like, the dust cloud surrounding him. Is that Pigpen, too? Is that, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I think he's I think the grown-up version of that cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your best strength in comedy i assume it's probably your writing because i watch your jokes and they're timed very well they're methodical the punchlines are there yeah it seems like you are almost now controlling your audience is that fair for me to say uh, most places I, I guess you could say that yeah i mean some places i still get very intimidated and it's you go into it going oh boy i hope this goes well um i hope <laughs> i can get them to listen if they can, if i can get them one some like one or two jokes just maintain looking at the stage it'll go well but uh yeah i would definitely say it's my writing um i mean i've just been religiously listening to and watching comedy since i was 13 14 and so it's something that just really sunk in in a lot of ways is it scary for you still being on stage? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been doing it almost three years. I still get, and I don't know if this is the stage or my anxiety. It's probably a combination of both. But I, I mean, I still get nervous before an open mic just because I'm like, this new joke sucks. I don't want to do it. But I think that's a good thing. Um, there are some times where I'm more excited than anxious. But no, I definitely still get nervous a lot. We asked Abigail Harrison this, and I said, is it tough being a woman in comedy? Because... 
you know, it's competitive and you're dealing with men, a lot of men who are insecure. Men. The way he said that, men, dealing with those men. men. <laughs> <laughs> you just look in the mirror and go, Bleh. I don't even look in the mirror. That's why I grow a beard. So, like, the less I can see, the better. <laughs> look who that guy is. You want to go grab that yep. door for me? So, walking in now, we have Steve Solberg, the voice of Ragnar. And Mike Grove. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, doing good. Why don't you take a seat and be this big computer guy oh, operator? Love that. Mike, how are yeah, you? Mike. Sasha Bloom. We are live on the radio. <laughs> We're live right now. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, here's some headphones. We've been discussing how filthy men are. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> His words. His words. My words, yes. <laughs> uh, specifically relating to my 11-year-old boy who's just starting to go through puberty. Oh, okay. You're starting <laughs> to hear some stuff. I, uh, gosh, I, I think I hid my manly thoughts from my, my parents. I would never let them know that I thought an awful thing, you know? Just, just instant shame or what? Um... Yeah, I guess in not not so much shame as much as just like hiding. I guess yeah. So shame. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your eleven-year-old thinks he's hiding it pretty well too. Of course, like you see yeah. him like putting his, like the blankets up, and like you see like his left hand just disappeared, <laughs> and it's like a lefty, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's cool. For the record, that's not strictly a dude thing. <laughs> nor nor sh- what it, it's going lefty? <laughs> but the thought in my head is beautiful when a woman goes lefty, right? Just, just mixing it up. Yeah, I think, like, I, I played basketball growing up a little bit, and they'd always say, like, dribble with your left hand so you'll be, like, better than everybody else. Like, I think you should, like, teach him to be amb- ambidextrous. Yes. Keep with be- yourself. <laughs> You I don't know, know when that would come in. Like Maybe don't do that. I, <laughs> not, that not, not that the skill set's not great, but uh, just the fact that your dad would be like, hey, son, here, let me show you a trick. <laughs> like, that's, like, what a nightmare that would be. It's the sports, like, over, like, over-involved father. But like in the weirdest way. Because then he could be like, hey, look what my dad taught me. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Ooh. Like, can you repeat that to DCFS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uncomfortable times. Like, you, you finally get used to a toddler and an infant, and then you start getting used to the five and eight year old. And now he's 12, and he's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to my friends. And it. And now I know that we're getting ready to have to buy a car and do college, and it's just gross. Have fun with that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just watching <laughs> you over there, like your face just <laughs> sinking. It's it's weird. You should start putting like the cats in the cradle, but like with optimism, <laughs> like looking forward to it. <laughs> Hooray for the cat in the cradle! <laughs> Don't you think that uh, right now kids like are growing up fast? but at the same time slow. Like, just, this is my observation. Yeah, I think that all Does that time. make sense? Yes. That does it. Like, how you see Comic-Con and Fantasy Con and all these cons that are like, I don't know, they, they seem kind of kiddish, maybe, to me. And they're very, very popular. And it's all adults. 
we're going? I'm not. I guess I'm a nerd in the sense that I'm very technically sound with computers and cameras and certain electronics. But Rebecca and I went to FantasyCon last Thursday and did mm-hmm. a podcast. And I'd never done any of this kind of stuff. Like, I've never seen Star Wars in the movie theater. Like, who cares, in my mind. Weirdest place I've ever been in my entire life. Like, the, gr- I, the grown men, like, there were, there were guys that were, like, had stilts that were 15 feet tall and, like, in Darth Maul gear. And then you get guys dressing up like wizards. And I don't, and then everyone just goes to buy stuff. Like, it's a total boothing event. There's... Was it, like, mm-hmm. liberating to be around that at all? Like, to see people be like that, like, no inhibition at all? The create Because I think that's the appeal, right? Is, like, you can completely express yourself. Because, obviously, it's silly in any other situation. Sure. But, like, this is, like, the one safe place. Mm-hmm. The creativity, like, made me happy. Like, the, the passion that I saw inspired me yeah. in a lot of different ways. And I was actually bummed I didn't dress up. Like, I should have yeah. just totally, like morphed into it but becca dressed up and what you dress up as oh i can show you the picture you'll probably know it but it's some describe legal legends well so go to either OU radio's twitter feed or go to kuradio.org or our instagram and you can see her little get up i just it never made sense to me and then like so we started talking we started talking i started talking to a security guard because i was there um, with Becca, like at 10 in the morning, and then I was there with Clear Channel, so I was basically there all day. And during my time there, there were five lockdowns for missing mm-hmm. children. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> They're just hiding under like the robes over the stilts. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> did, they, did they put like children in quotes? It was really just adults. <laughs> well, so I started talking children. to the security guard. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm a retired Air Force, like intelligence security guard. And he was like super proud of like keeping the door locked down and like <laughs> not letting me get to my truck. And so he started talking to me about super fans and how there's undercover cops everywhere, like looking for known pedophiles and whoa, just the real dark side. Like vigilante people. Yeah, how completely prepared they are whoa. for this. And then he started telling me about like the the police isms of when there's a lockdown and how there's cops that are undercover and slowly start bringing everyone from this big warehouse or the Salt Palace into a small circle and they're able to find kids and all this within a matter of 10 minutes like it's a crazy like when you start looking at it from that aspect and how much security goes into um certain peoples at these cons is pretty unique i, I never thought about the whole like pedophile <laughs> 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 yeah i didn't either well that was the first thing like i a thought feeding about ground. but the security part's kind of cool I like the concept of them hurting people without them knowing it. <laughs> 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 like, they were like, they were like incognito. They were in costumes, right? They were were they just dressed normal? I couldn't answer you. Oh, that I guess because qu- that's the point is you're not supposed to know. Do they all just they like they, just yell, they yell out Helms Deep and everybody gathers? <laughs> <laughs> Helms Deep, Helms Deep, every Helms Deep. Everyone to the breach, and then they all would go. They because they would know what that means. <laughs> they do it enthusiastically. Yeah, they'd be like, ah, let's go. Save some children. <laughs> Here you go. That's what, that's what she was dressed up as. Maybe you know that character. I don't. 
<laughs> she was very won't. popular though because she hand knitted everything, and like yeah, it looks looks like a lot of like craftsmanship and effort went into it. Yeah. What is it? It's from League of Legends, some video game online, like World of Warcraft. I don't know. It's <laughs> cool, though. So, Steve, Mike, what were you guys doing in Park City? Uh, we just did Park City TV. Movie stars. Yeah. I like this. What, were you, what are you guys promoting? Shows. Shows. Well, <laughs> Mike, was, Mike had better purpose. I suck at uh, Park City TV. I don't know why. We talked about this on the drive over. Oh, this is your Sasha. But I don't do well on TV for some reason because it's like they go, we need you to convince people that you're funny. Yes. Which for some reason I do a poor job. Like if you come to my show, then I'll convince you. But beforehand, I'm going to, you're going to think this guy is as boring as anything, you know. But Uh, how could that be the case when... They're just looking at Kevin Bacon. They're right? just staring at... Uh, yeah. He's stoked. I wish that that was working for me more. Sometimes I feel like that's a detriment, like in a weird way, because I'm like, I know... It's only in my head, but I'm like, I know people who have been successful with this face, so why can't I do it? <laughs> but you're a touring comic. You're, yeah. you're the voice of Ragnar and color me red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're lying to yourself. So you're yeah. Self-deprecating. And like, yourself. not kidding, my favorite comedian in Utah. I was telling Sasha One that too. before you guys oh, came. Oh, that's in nice. Here. Yeah, like, and and there's a lot of great comedy in Utah, mm-hmm. especially right now. Like, it's really good. Steve is my like. I, I'll never get tired of seeing Steve. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of it. <laughs> no, I'm cool with it. I get, what does that mean? I get really nervous doing that TV, too, because I feel like the cameras are guns, but with, like, social <laughs> expectations instead of bullets. <laughs> and, like, it's it's on, like, it's they're, they're rapid fire. Like, they, they're relentless. Mike does really well on there, though. It's interesting. We've, we've been on there twice together, and both times I feel like Mike has came off really well. And I kind of find myself, the majority of the uh, time on air, I find myself going, Make a good face. <laughs> Make sure you got a good face while you're watching Mike talk. I'm like, I know exactly what you mean though by that. Yeah. Like when it, when we do like the Paul Dwayne show, and sometimes he'll do like interviews afterwards, and the audience just watches. So we're all just sitting there, and the audience is asking his questions. It's not just like the spotlight on you while like Marcus Whistler or John Foreman answers a question, and like I'm just like, do I laugh super hard? Do I look interested? What do I do? What do I yeah, uh, you know, like I'm, I've never like thought about how I'm sitting as much as I do when I'm on TV. What do you do with your hands? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I go to the knee now. It's a little bit of feminine. I do the cross legs on the knee, but it's so comfortable and I feel like it protects me from the camera a little bit. Do your camera guys teach you about hand? There's not a camera guy. Uh, they just set up the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you wear your glasses? Uh huh. See, I'm a professional videographer. I'd make you take them off because oh, of the reflection. I look like such a such a dummy <laughs> without glasses. You just <laughs> like an idiot. But yeah. see, there's a reflection that off the lens, and that drives me nuts. Really? Yeah. But you know, then you just say, "Hey, shut up, camera guy." Like, what do you? That's me. You? That's me. <laughs> Can't pretend not to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What do you do? Like, because some people they wear glasses, like always, right? Yeah. Yours don't glare as much. Oh, but it's the angle where we're sitting right now. <laughs> and, and it's not. <laughs> we're in a dark and room. It's under lights. <laughs> and then you have the lights, and then yeah. you actually have the two or three lenses in the camera, too, that it reflects off of. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So start watching television now, and any person with glasses, you'll see. Because 
the idea of running a camera is is they'll zoom into the eyes and then pull back to focus right and they and if you ever watch movies or such they want that little twinkle in the eye um you oh. okay yeah like if you look at you know uh steve you can see a little twinkle which a is little a yeah all my children right yeah <laughs> sure. but it's it's a mechanism to catch the audience and make them feel like they have a personal relationship with the person so in other words they're not going to feel that mic right this episode. like the window to my soul needs some blinds yeah. i think <laughs> i think that needs to be a barrier is it for you or them i think uh, i think it's for me i think i'm like the little kid in big daddy when he's wearing the sunglasses that he makes think is invisible like part of me thinks i'm invisible i did that tuesday at open mic because uh, johnny brandon wanted me to do <laughs> yeah, he'll have me do like stuff with him just kind of like weird stuff you know like john brandon does and uh he wanted me to just play his keyboard while he sang a song in a dress but he just said just just plunk around on it. And so I'm like, so I totally went up there with my sunglasses. Do you, pl- do you play? <laughs> no, I don't play anything. So I was just doing the up and down, like, whatever. It was fun. It was fine. I, I think I'm going to learn now just for that. Yeah. What were you doing up at Park City TV, Mike? Uh, I, I'm i I'm moving to Los Angeles later this year, at the end of September, to with go and Jackson try and make. Jackson and all that? Yeah, Jackson's moving. And then uh, Jordan Todd Brown, he's an improv yeah, comedian. Yeah, yeah, super talented, really cool guy. Uh, we're all moving at the end of the summer. And we're filming a documentary about it, moving from, especially Jordan and I, we live in Logan. Mm-hmm. I'm moving from small town Utah oh, to so Los Angeles. So you're up with Spencer and all them, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Spence will be, be very happy he was mentioned and also feel really sad that he's being left behind. Aww. No, my <laughs> goal is actually to have uh, Todd and Spencer in. It, it's been my fault that they haven't yeah. been. So. Yeah, super funny. Uh, but yeah, we're doing a documentary about it, the, the move, and we'll see how it goes and all of that. You're going to uh, GoPro the drive and yeah. the fast food breaks and all that? Yeah, yes. I think so. I should have gotten. I should have brought the camera for this. This would be kind of cool to have on it. Uh, maybe, it. I can, maybe I get the audio from this. Do you record uh, this? No. Okay, cool. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no of course we will. I, I will yeah. get you audio for it. Awesome. But you can go to iTunes under the Kute uh, banner, and you'll find it. And is that free? Yes, of course. We what don't an incredible tr- value. We don't charge people here at the well, University awesome. of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, we're doing a documentary about it. And if, like, I'm sure some of your listeners know Jackson. And uh, he has a show here. Yeah, I did. Uh, Camp Jackie with Jackson Banks. I did Wallace's show. I didn't do. I haven't done okay. Jackson's show yet. But yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want to do Jackson's show. <laughs> he's he's a dictator. Like yeah, <laughs> cra- he's no one intimidates me more creatively than Jackson. For sure. <laughs> he's 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 constantly coming up with like the craziest and also the best material, and it's. I have to be around him like it pushes me. Like that's how funny and creative yeah. he is. So I'm I, glad he's moving with us. I can't wait to get humbled reasons. by somebody like Polly yeah. Shore or someone like that. Polly Shore. <laughs> Imagine Jackson getting humbled <laughs> by Polly Shore. <laughs> oh boy. It's going to happen at the Laugh Factory when you guys get there. Polly Shore. <laughs> Probably. I'm going to be waiting for that just <laughs> to hear about it on Twitter or something. No, I think the documentary would be cool though because we're filming it like with a good chance of failure, right? Like I think that's an interesting story. So you've got nothing to lose. I love when people tell me that. <laughs> like people, do you believe it or you no? Just like, no, okay. I have everything to lose. I have a life. I've still. just meant the documentary. <laughs> right, right, right. The documentary has nothing. Your actual to lose. life and, and moving. It's, I and it's other people's money. Like they were dumb to give to the Kickstarter. You kickstarted it. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you guys raise? Uh, Four thousand. Beautiful. Yeah. What I mean, it's, it's low budget for documentary, but like so generous for people. It's not low budget if you have someone like Jackson Banks who's trained in film. Right. right? When, and then, there's a few other film students here too that are gonna help us with it. I can help you too. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be great. 
But I think <laughs> I, I'll tell people, especially <laughs> in Logan, that like I'm going and they say like, oh, that's great. Do it right now while you have nothing to lose. And like, that's it's like in, in your way you're are right. They, are they are they insulting you? In some yeah, way? they're like you don't have a life that can be ruined. Like that's what they're saying. Like you have you've built nothing. It's you don't only have family. Up no from one, here. No one, no one cares. Like like no offense to Logan, but your life can't get Logan worse. That are saying that. <laughs> you're okay. right. That's fine. It's like you're not married. That. You don't have a kid. You have nothing to lose. And like I feel like getting married and having a kid is like when I lose. It's like that feels. <laughs> Like the riskier choice for me. See, just think of it that way. You're, you're totally taking the yeah, way I'm taking less the safe route. Mm-hmm. I can put off like real life much longer this way. So, what city are you going to live in? You guys are just going to get a house and be um, roommates. There's a there's a an improv comedian from Ogden who's been down there for a year and a half named Calvin Ditmore, and he's really funny, really talented. He's on a couple house teams at IO. I don't know if you're familiar with uh-uh. Improv Olympic. Uh, on both sketch and improv, but he's in North Hollywood right now. I think we're going to live in Koreatown, but L.A. You know, uh, all around that area. I don't know LA that well. <laughs> Koreatown and Chinatown, and let's be truthful, all of downtown LA smells like pee. It's just like San Francisco. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's awful. You get used to it quick though. At least in my visits, I did. <laughs> like, like, do you ever go into a stinky bathroom? Like, by the end, you forget you're in a stinky bathroom. No, you don't. Yeah, I totally do. Oh my god, do. that's how you have to convince yourself it's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a stinky bathroom you forget about. <laughs> This is my home. <laughs> That's where I'm going to live. Walk into this stuff. So why Pitch are you guys choosing L.A. over San Francisco, Boston, sure. New York? Uh, you know, it might be the wrong decision. But it, it seems, especially where a lot of us, we have a, a variety of aspirations. Yes. Uh, like, my, 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 my goal is not to be a professional touring stand-up comedian, although I'd like to do that as well. My goal is to be a comedy writer. Uh, in television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in television. And then, you know, hopefully that leads to other things as well. Uh, Jordan wants to act. Calvin or uh, Jackson wants to do film, and like that's there's so much more of an array of opportunity in LA for all of those things. Uh, where like you can go to New York, it's pretty much stand up in New York. There, I mean, there, there's everything everywhere, but like LA is where people say to go if you well, want to do the more one than just stand up. the world, and you right. gotta be damn good. Even in LA, to to go from a top thirty two market to the number two or three market right. in the country, you, you're really getting into the big leagues, you know. It, oh yeah very different yeah i was telling steve this i think this is gonna sound a little bit arrogant. i think i'm pretty good at comedy i think you have to be great you're very good at comedy and you have times of complete brilliance yeah but i think you have to be great i don't think there's room for pretty good no. yeah and i think i could be great eventually and that's uh-huh. what part of this i'm treating like the first part of this move is education and growth still like i'm not you know looking for a job yes. in, in show business day one how old are you i'm 26 Oh, you're a baby. You don't even deserve Got nothing to, be to lose. <laughs> nothing to lose. Yeah, Just no. 26 years. Yes. <laughs> Steve, you're not moving out of Salt Lake, are you? This is. You should. Not, not yet. Uh, the plan is. I, I don't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of do. The plan is to move when someone tells me to. If I ever get like representation from some sort of management, mm-hmm. and they go, "Get out of there," and I go, "Okay." But until then, it's like, all right, I'm doing all right. Salt Lake's kind of a good place for you because you're doing so much traveling all over the country. It's kind of almost in the middle of, so you're not doing seven-hour flights. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good, we're a Delta hub, so it's a good place. Uh, I am curious, like, Mike and I have talked about this on our drives back and forth from Park City. Like, is it a place that is pushing you? And, yeah, there is lots of great comedians here, but... 
we don't have as much like there's not a, I guess there is open mics almost every night but it's like you go to LA and it's like there's open mics not just every night but they're stacked so it's like we gotta go to this mic and then we'll go to this mic and then we'll go to this mic you know so you're doing three on one night and then you know every other night you have something going on and I for the style of writing, I think that's what I probably should eventually be doing to push myself to be able to say I clocked into work today, you know, because mm-hmm. instead of just I, I don't write great by myself, like I'll, I'll crack myself up. I'll think I'm hilarious <laughs> and then I'll try it on stage and I'm like, oh, I'm not funny, I guess. <laughs> and so, you know, I think I need to get on stage to do my writing like where that's where I work out premises and stuff. So. I think a bigger market eventually will be necessary to push myself in that aspect. Have any of you three done comedy in Vegas? I have. Yeah. How is how's that oh, scene? Yeah. <coughs> it's just Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I guess, two years ago now. So it was a little like, and I was only about a year. I've been doing comedy about three years, and it, it was two years ago, and it was awful. <laughs> it was such a terrible experience for me. Uh, and it was it was. I'm sure there's a better scene there than what the experience I had in the one week I was there doing comedy. But it was not, it was like video poker bars where nobody's paying attention were all the mics that I did. Like there were, there were like multiple coat hanger abortion jokes in the first open mic I went to. Why not? Sure. And I'm not, I'm not a snob, no. but when you hear multiple, like it feels, it feels like there's a lack of creativity and I'm sure there's a good scene there and I just had, didn't find it in the one week I was there. I can only honestly think of, like, one comic I've met from Vegas Steve that McEnroe. I thought was really, really great. Uh, Gabe Nolasco. Sure. Yeah, he's phenomenal. But, yeah, I've not checked out the Vegas thing. I've just done, like, terrible casinos in Nevada. It's the only time <laughs> The only time I go on the road is, like, casinos in, like, Nevada, Montana, and Idaho, and that's about it. Up in Reno or uh, Winnemucca. And Winnemucca. then we did Elko one time. Elko's the weirdest city in the world. It was weird, too, because our friend hooked us up at this bar. He knew a guy who ran a bar there just, like, the middle of nowhere. You know, and these people, you know, I guess it's a mining town, so they have a ton of money and nothing to do. So they charge $20 a ticket Whoa. for this tiny bar. We made like $150 each, and like it was the easiest show I've ever done because they were just, they just needed and wanted entertainment. Yeah, so that's kind of like, how Rock Springs is. Yeah, you d- I didn't have to do anything. I just went up there and said my jokes and killed, and then it was great. But uh, that was more fun than doing the casinos mm-hmm. in those areas. Have either any of you three done Windover? Mm-hmm. No. no, I don't think they're. It's just big headlines. Yeah, just right? concert shows. I think are all they do there mm-hmm. that I'm aware of. I can't imagine. That I don't know just anyone like a, that does window like right a showcase style show yeah. or <laughs> local headliner. Maybe that. Maybe it's an untapped market for that. I don't know. So why'd you get into comedy, Mike? I, I haven't met you. Yeah, so. uh, I thought I could do it. I think was the. It's not a, like a real romantic story. Like I, I, I like it, <laughs> it looked. It looked fun, and I like it. It looked seemed like a good challenge that I could maybe do. And all of a sudden, that became a cool creative outlet. And it'd be like, God, like, I'd, I'd, I'd never really considered myself creative before that. And all of a sudden, I found this thing that I, I like doing and started to get good at, and, like, I could express myself. But you seem very bright, so obviously you have creativity in you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I hope so. And I, I think that that's why I like comedy so much, is it helped me discover, like, the creative side of, of myself. Because I think growing up, I was told, like, if you draw, you're creative. Yes, and then, like, I didn't realize that I did, <laughs> not bright enough, obviously, uh, to realize like it, it extends <laughs> so much further than that. And, and comedy helped me realize. That. I, I think, yeah, there was a, a an art house theater in Logan that had just opened up, and they were gonna do like a general open mic, poetry, music, like comedy, everything. 
and it was about the same time I wanted to try it, and it was really good timing, and I did it. So you're it. going from Logan to L.A. County, which has approximately 14 million people. Right. Hmm. Are you getting anxiety about that? Yeah, Did more like not being able to leave the 14 million at any time because there's no real escape in L.A. County. Like oh, you there's can, the ocean. Right, know? but like it's <laughs> ocean like littered with people. <laughs> it's it's like nature that you can't access. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ton of people, the water, and nothing. Well, I hope that you guys do the Ventura Comedy Club because it's fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to. I know that Hopefully every that every out. year they have a great event out there, and I think Adam Carolla is going out there next week. Nice. But you guys gonna try to do the radio scene and do improv? Are you y- just going for it all? Huh? What? Yeah, kind of take an opportunist approach to it. I think you have to, especially with like the way like I think comedy is becoming less like any one specific medium. It's becoming more like you're a funny person who who performs, uh, and so kind of take an opportunist approach to doing whatever I can, mm-hmm. any opportunity. I've been really, the, I guess this question is for all three of you, I'm really starting to get fascinated by the website Rooftop Comedy, mm-hmm. and all three of you are on it, mm-hmm. but almost every comic throughout the country is on it, and I'm starting to realize how hard it is Ugh. to become a great standout comedian. I mean, there's tens and tens of thousands of comics. I think it's good, though, because it makes you, I mean, if you're aware, like, how hard you have to work. Like, not only, oh, do I just need to be funny, but I have to work really hard. I mean, just, I know people who, I would love to be where they're at in their careers with comedy, and they're, you know, flat broke, or, like, not a lot of people know who they are, but to me, they've, like, made it. So, I don't know. I I think it does help weed out some people who aren't so great. Because you've got to do a lot more to stand out. Yeah, yeah. That, that was gonna say, to me, it, it, I feel a lot of pressure to be a more unique, interesting person as a comedian. To have a more unique perspective rather than just being like some white 26-year-old guy, you know, telling jokes. Because of that, you get, you get washed out. So I think you, like... Do you have to have a gimmick? Like, I, I, no. <laughs> I mean, I probably... I don't want to have a gimmick. Yeah. I do want to have a unique perspective. Because uh-huh. I, think, I think it would be... That does lead to like something like a gimmick... Uh, but I think that also has such a, a low ceiling to have a gimmick. Seems that way, but at, but you got to stand out, right? Yeah, it's it's tricky, uh, and I think a lot of it, a lot of comics are lazy, uh, <laughs> and drug addicts and alcoholics. Right. And I think I think the biggest competitive advantage you have is just working harder than most comics. That's the key mm-hmm. to life. Yeah, and I think I think that that and being like having your like your own perspective, like having faith in your own story. I think being interesting. Uh, to me is what it makes me feel better about how many comics there are out there trying to, especially right now, there's more than ever comedy so much more accessible. It's people are trying it more. It's almost like the poker boom. Right. Very similar. Ago, right? Yeah. Like they see it on TV. They see it on Netflix. They see it on YouTube. Like that guy's funny, but I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, yeah, I think being interesting, working harder. Rude awakening. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I think all three of you are going to do very well. Thanks, man. I, I see you guys doing this forever. With wow. Steve, like... Forever. Sitting <laughs> straight. Like, I, I, Immortality just, to yeah. stand up. <laughs> yes. I thought, I better sit up straight now that he believes in me. <laughs> Before I could slouch for some reason. Uh, don't bring up sitting up straight because now I need to do it. <laughs> it's very hard work. Not here at KU... We, uh, most Works kids here Ill. have a very bad work ethic. So slump, slounge. We have kids <laughs> that haven't showered for weeks coming in, doing shows. It, it's good stuff here. <laughs> it smells pretty good. 
<laughs> Considering. <laughs> I did take a shower. I'm proud of myself. Thanks, nice. man. So, <laughs> we have to go to break here in just a minute. But, Steve, we're supposed to be doing a rooftop party. I haven't heard a word. A roof? Oh, that's right. We're doing a party at my place. Becca sent me a text today when I told her that you were coming in. She goes... She said, bring up... Because Becca... Because she's moving at the end of August. Is she really? Yeah. Okay, let's do it next week. Maybe the week after next, actually. The week after. KU, if you guys want to come. I live at the building with the angry eyebrows right across from the cathedral. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe maybe we should invite people if they want to come. Granted, Becca seems to have quite a few stalkers, so maybe we shouldn't. We'll have her bring her girlfriends. We'll have you two come. We'll get Christian, and we'll get... Natasha, Abigail, you can, we'll get can I come to the angry eyebrows? Yeah, come to the angry eyebrows, and uh, we'll have a rooftop party. Maybe a pool party. There's a pool, too. On the roof? No. Sadly, it's Can behind. you jump off from the roof into the pool? You could, but you wouldn't survive. <laughs> no. <laughs> How rude. Someone's last words, pool party. <laughs> Here's your Vine video. Hashtag good times. Hashtag afterlife. Hashtag rest in peace. Uh, yeah, because Becca, she cooks Thai food, and I love Thai food. Oh, Thai food. Maybe that's dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> sorry, Kayute, for that topic. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a Thai food barbecue pool party at the uh, Angry Eye Bows. Yes, I'm a very good uh, barbecue prepper. I'm part of Sword Dick Barbecue, S-O-R-D-I-K. I am not cussing. Nice. All right. <laughs> we want, we want <laughs> This is just a party. This isn't like a stand-up show. Because I think that would be cool, too. Hey, we'll bring a stage. Because I, I thought about this during the summer, doing, like, a nomad stand-up tour. I just haven't, like, put in the effort. Like just to, this. like, do, like, rooftops, like, backyards, like, a whole bunch of different, like, all over, like, northern Utah, do a bunch of shows like that. I think it would be cool. I'd be facing two of my fears at once if we did stand-up on, like, a rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm nailing this. With snakes. <laughs> just around my neck. Like, like, I'm Britney Spears doing stand-up. That'd be awesome. Mm. So I need to read something here, and then I'll give your plugs, and we'll pop right to break. Uh, do any of you know the kid Cooper Van Heusen? Mm-mm. He's the 16-year-old boy that's in prison right now for 1 to 15 years on a burglary rap, and he got the worst of it and didn't have a gun. We had his parents in a couple of weeks ago. You can go back on KUteRadio.org and listen to the interview and yeah. really hear what's going on. But let's see. So on July 16th, at 8 in the morning, there's going to be a rally for uh, the young Cooper Van Heusen at the state capitol. Uh, they're getting ready to rule. So there's been a conflagration because they had this 16-year-old in a maximum security prison down in Draper. They finally moved him up to Vernal, but now he's in complete isolation. And, mm-hmm. you know, the kid hasn't graduated high school. His co-defendants got like 120 days in juvie, and the judge just banged him down. What was the... Do we know why? Was there in? Well, he stole his dad's guns, and they were broken, and one of them didn't even have a pin, and he brought them to uh, this drug dealers, and they ended up robbing them, right? It actually got pretty violent. One of the kids who was an adult, he was like 18 or 19, put the victims on the ground and put the gun to the back of their Whoa. head. So it, it was a serious yeah. home evasion, right? But the kid was just... He was the youngest kid there trying to fit in, trying to, you know, uh, be a hard ass, you know, the, the testosterone thing that young men do. And he got put in a bad situation, and 
Anyways, they're doing a rally for him on the 16th at 8 in the morning. Go there if you're interested in supporting this young Cooper Van yeah, Heusen. Give the kid a chance to have a life, right? Yes, I mean, you imagine doing 15 years at 16 Before years Before you're even a person yet. No, you're institutionalized, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. ugh. And that, that was one of the things we talked about is him, not only is he losing his right to be a citizen, but his right to breed, his right to have a family, his right to develop in a social way, especially in prison, you know. They, his parents agree that he needs to do time. Sure. But do it where he can get some juvenile rehabilitation. Right, especially in like such formidable years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even if he does two years, he's not going to be able to go back to high no. school. He's And see, the thing that really threw the curveball in, he's been in prison now. Mm-hmm. So he is a prisoner. And the rules with prison are very different. It's parole instead of probation. It's... You don't really, it's hard to get that felony expunged mm-hmm. in 10 right. years. So I, I th- we had him on the show because I thought it was an interesting story. Sure. Because so many young boys use violence as a way to show their pride, to show their heart and their effort. And, you know, the parents really kind of talk about, you know, that being a parent's important. So go there, support them. If there's any young journalists on campus, you know, uh, listen to our show. Go up there, I'll get you press passes and write a good story. So do that. If you want to interact with Natasha Mower on Twitter, go to at Tashiamo. Yeah, do you just spell it? Yes. T-A-S-H-I-A-M-O. Steve Solberg, at Steve Solberg. uh, S-O-E-L-B-E-R-G. Mike Grover, you are hilarious on Twitter. Thanks, man. Uh, Mikey Grover, G-R-O-V-E-R. Are you doing any, any of you guys doing clubs anywhere? Yeah, we're at, uh, Mike and I are both at the Ogden Wise Guys this weekend. Just one show, 8 p.m. on the, uh, on both nights. Did that, I said that the most complicated way possible. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to wiseguyscomedy.com, click on my head, Do they do two for ones see. for this show on the site? Do you know? Um, if they have them. Then they do them. I don't know if they do them anymore. Sure. Sometimes on the site they have the thing a coupon you can come for two for ones. Yeah. So I that's think worth students get for. in for. Oh yeah, they get a discount. They student, get a discount. If a student ID at uh, at Ogden, they get a discount. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to see you and Christian in Ogden, there I saw people with the passes, and I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. Son of a. Oh. Yeah. They had them. Are you yeah. headlining? Yeah, Steve's mm-hmm. headlining. I'm just opening for him. Who's uh, hosting? Uh, I think it is Travis Tate. Maybe, yeah. Right. I think it's tra- it is Travis. In fact, I'm sure Marty Archibald is going to be up there. Just being a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, be. hello. It's always hard to know where Marty is. Here, here's right. here's my Thursday thing, and it's probably I'm probably going to get yelled at by Johnny McKeon. Every Thursday at seven o'clock, he is supposed to be sitting right here as part of our show. This was six weeks ago. Marty or Johnny? Marty. Just sitting there, not talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because that would seem normal. Right. <laughs> so the pitch was for him to be a newsman. Oh, I like it. <laughs> it right? Marty would be such a good newsman. Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, you know, he's got a journalism degree. And no offense to Marty. He's not doing something better right now. <laughs> like, he should be doing this. He yeah. He do it. And I'm still waiting for him. Yeah. Like, I, I got, um, let's see, we'll be here at KU till the end of August. They're trying to keep us for the fall, but... I know we have six more weeks, so Marty, I love you. You're one of the most talented men I've ever met. Your chair is sitting without you, and I don't like that. It's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to come back, or are we closing shop here? 
oh, if I could. Yes, uh, please. July 31st at Five Monkeys. Uh, Brandy Posey is doing her uh, three weddings in a comedy tour here at Five Monkeys. Awesome. Um, and if you know her from the Lady Lady podcast, she's hilarious. Um, and then it's going to be me, Jason Harvey, Christopher Stevenson, and uh, new local comic, really funny, Aaron Orlovitz. So. That's going to be a great show. All-star cast. Good lineup, yeah. Hmm. So we'll be right back, and we appreciate all of you. Go to Wise Guys. Go to Five Monkeys. Go to Southtown. Support comedy because there's no better way to get love in your life if you bring a date because they will be loud. <laughs> your significant other will be laughing and happy, which makes you look like a good person. So we'll be right back. Becca, I met the most beautiful girl in the world today on campus. I so want to ask her out but I'm flat broke. Can you loan me some money, please? Sasha, I could, but I'd rather see you mature and grow up. Save your money so that when you need it, you have it. Who's gonna help me achieve that goal? The Personal Money Management Center at the University of Utah. At the Personal Money Management Center, they'll show you how to create a personalized budget, help you plan tuition and student loan payments, and even evaluate potential job offers. It's so tough being responsible. I think I'll give Personal Money Management Center a call. What's their number? 801-585-7379. If that's too hard, you can even check out their website at personal-money-management.utah.edu for more details. Financial freedom and a hot date are only a click away. Your summer just got a whole lot better. All Ute Radio is now streaming live two nights a week on KUteRadio.org. Listen every Tuesday and Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. or catch the podcast on demand. Yes! Anytime you use that voice, the banter you hear in the background is the beautiful, the brilliant Natasha Mallet. Kevin Bacon over there, Steve Silver. Hey, good to see you. My new friend, Mikey Grover. How are you? Good, man. Thank you, all of you, for joining OU Radio. I appreciate your kindness. Ooh, feels kind of cool. A little reggae. Yes. I'm going to Shazam this. <laughs> Do you guys ever sing into Shazam to it, see? It's playing on a... <laughs> I think I tried funny. that once before, but it was like humming. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it tells you Shazam does not recognize humming or karaoke or something like that. Your voice sounds like, like crap. Really. Yeah, it was way mean. <laughs> like, all right, fine. <laughs> I don't like that you're struggling with the camera in front of you, Steve Solberg. You need to get used to this. I know. I, I'm going to get used to it eventually, but I'm, I'm taking a photo of this. There. Uh, Do you want me to follow you around for a day? Why doesn't Jay, Jay Whitaker is doing a show? Why don't they follow is you around? They're following like a person around 24 hours a day. Really? Yeah. Well, I think I come across as not interesting enough Steven, to do that Steven, story. Steven. But uh, I don't know. That'd be fun to have him follow me around. I'd love to have him follow me around like during a race because it's a weird job. Sometimes I feel like, um, like for the Color Me Rad, I love it. I love that job. It's so exhilarating. 
but sometimes I feel like if people knew like how old I was or <laughs> like what I did to get here, it's like they'd be like, oh, you kind of messed up, huh? <laughs> like I studied biology, you know, did the whole pre-med thing, and then I'm like, and in 10 seconds, we're going to throw color. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're just very different off the path, but... I don't know. They should do a fun. documentary where they follow you around all day, and just every few minutes you look into the camera and ask if they still like you. <laughs> Am I cool? Is this good? Do you, do you guys like me? Are you guys on board with this? Oh, I Blue. just did the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. What happened? I forgot to set the recorder, so we're doing this for free. It's all right. <laughs> I really suck. We're not live? Are we live? Oh, we're live. We're streaming oh, live. Well, we have an audience, yeah. but our on-demand people are going to be pissed. Oh, I'm glad you said I was just about to start cursing yeah, up a storm. Just, you have me mm. here for nobody? Well, I just want to be able to swear if people are actually listening. Let it go. Let's talk to the live people. Live people right now. What do you think? Boo journalism <laughs> yeah, struck again. Yes, we are recording again. There we go. <laughs> Uh, for those of you we just popped in, this is Sasha Bloom. I am OU Radio. I apologize to our live audience. Uh, you guys miss it. Paul McCartney was in here like for a second. Yeah, Stevie right, Wonder stopped by. Right when just for a skosh and on. he had the run. Oh, worst <laughs> timing. <laughs> One skosh is all I had time for. It was a sweet skosh. So I'm sure all of you have carried over. Uh, the voices you're hearing is the great Steve Solberg, voice of Ragnar, voice hey. of Color Me Red. The beautiful, the brilliant the talented Natasha Mower, and my new friend, Mikey Grover. Hello. Hey, man. So we were just talking about had I ever done stand-up comedy. The That's a big no. Yeah. Fini you didn't finish your thought, yeah. though. The, the not being in the fantasy or fiction as much, taking a more journalistic approach. Why, why does that prevent you from doing stand-up? Okay. Do you, do you, also, do you, do you have desire at all to do stand-up? Stand-up is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, because you seem so into it. I'm Obviously, and you're so in tune with the community and everything. I'm completely fascinated. Like, when I was a little boy, like, I'm older than, except for Steve, I'm older than you two. When I was nine, I had, I used to have to hide Richard Pryor and Carlin, NWA, and Easy e from my parents. <laughs> like, I, ha I had a lunchbox, and I buried it in the backyard. You're a pretty badass kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> Dude, wow. I, I used to rock. You as a kid is cooler than I am now. Did I, you have a comedy treasure map? Just like. <laughs> 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 That'd be so cool. I'm a Jewish boy with red hair, and I'm a heavy set, and I kind of always was until high school until I became an athlete, and then I got heavy set when I finished that. This is all a script for being a great stand-up comedian. Oh, right? of course. This is, this is this like is exactly the script. This is exactly what I said Dude. to him earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Funniest moment in my life looking back at it. I was uh, wearing an NWA hat that said NWA, a public enemy shirt, <laughs> and I was talking to a black guy who was detailing my dad's car. Uh-huh. That's awesome. <laughs> it's embarrassing. No. Uh, you want to talk about white privilege? There it is in a team. Or, or <laughs> like... This is so red right now. No, you, you, you were post-racial before the world was. Yes. You were you're the forefront. I come forefront. from a Holocaust family. Um, my, my grandmother's side was in that and my grandfather grew up in Philadelphia where all the neighborhoods were segregated and the way they tried to create the 
town of brotherly love was send the Ju they put the Jewish school in the black neighborhood, the black school in the Italian neighborhood, the Italian neighborhood in the Irish neighborhood, and et cetera. And that's basically kind of how baseball started was everyone was bringing sticks and having battles and Crazy. baseball really kind of created the racial harmony in the East Coast. Wow. No, so I always grew up, and my grandpa was a communist. Like he spent World War II in prison in Camp Oglethorpe in Atlanta uh, because he sided with, uh, you know, the Russian communists. And so wow. my whole life was always. And then in high school, I w I was in so much trouble as a kid. Like my dad yeah. died when I was like four, and then I kind of discovered it at eight that I had no dad and I was a redhead, and. S I was. <laughs> <laughs> if you were doing autobiographical stand-up, you should do that line exactly that way. Yeah. That is, that realize I didn't have a dad and I'm a redhead. I wonder how many redheads listening just kind of went, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. And so I got kicked out of every grade from third grade until ninth grade. I mean, literally every year I was in, it got to the point where I was only a, allowed to do my core classes, math, history, science, and then I was in the library doing Dewey Decimal Systems with 70-year-old librarians. It was horrible. And <laughs> so I don't do comedy because I've gone through so much in my life that I think that my job is to explain the human story so that I mean, I'm lucky I'm not in prison, like, to be sure. to, as a straight-up shoot. I sh there are times I probably could have been, had the right circumstances been there. And I just think that my position in life is to let people be funny and let me try to develop an avenue in media where I can put spotlight not only on funny, but on very serious issues and topics sure. and discussions. So, you know, but... I think doing the stage would be fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Oh, it's the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Best feeling in the world when you get a big laugh or yeah. if you feel like, I could say anything and they'll laugh at this point. Yeah. That's like, you just can't beat it. It, it seems like the greatest natural high. Yeah. It's, outside it's, of maybe. It's like a drug you do and a room full of people are like cheering you on. While you do it. It's like doing cocaine. Like, oh, you're so good at it. It's Keep doing like it. We want you to do it more. You're so good at drugs. Yeah, and you hope you have a good you hope you have a good trip that time. You're like, okay, let's see what this Coke does this time. Let's just hope that it goes well. Let's see. Yeah, you can have a bad trip. As good as the trip For goes. Sure. It's a, but no, it's really fun. So and I wanna ask all of you a question, but it's basically like my time here at KU is far over. Like I should have been out of here a year ago. But we've been lucky that I work hard and we get good numbers, so they keep us on, right? And we're lucky enough to have great guests like you guys come in to the University of Utah, which makes KU look awesome. But it's getting time for me to go, and I get this like really depressed feeling in my life because even though I work in a radio station, who knows if I'll ever get in front of a mic again? It's like starting all over. Do you, either of the three of you, have that fear that? I might never get to be on a stage again. It might not go to the pinnacle where I want it to go. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. If it doesn't work out, I think that's where uh, comedians can make or break themselves, though. Like, I like Mike's moving to L.A. I think that making that leap where it's like, okay, either I do this well or I don't, 
you know, I, I fall and I don't get to eat. I think that that sort of leap forces you to be good and to get to where you will. Like Mike said, you always have, you have to be great. You can't be good. Uh, because good is just like, meh, that's great. There's plenty of good, funny people out there. Being good doesn't pay your mortgage. No. Right. And it's funny, right. too, because in most professions, being good is fine. <laughs> like being good is is above average, you right? Appreciate it. Like you should be make you make more money than people. Like <laughs> there are so many funny comedians that like, like that I, I hope to be a peer of. Like we're not making money. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. Like it's it's such a frustrating thing. So like you have to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as far as like there will always be a medium. I think I don't ever. I I get more anxiety when I haven't been on stage for a long time. Uh, but like there's always an opportunity. That's one thing that's nice about stand up is like. You either you there's always usually a ton of opportunity to go in on stage, or you create your own. Like you like it's such like I don't have to put together a radio show to do stand up. All I have to do is like do a Facebook event and get a microphone if I want to do it. The, like do it, put some <laughs> effort into it, you know. Uh, so yeah, but like I do get withdrawals when I haven't done it for a while, or I feel like, I was telling Steve like I live in Logan, so sometimes it, like with schedule and everything, family stuff. Sometimes I'll go two weeks without doing stand up, two two or three, and like uh, I feel like a fraud. Mm-hmm. Just because there's so many people are so funny or putting in more effort than me. And I'm like, I go three weeks without doing it. I, om- I almost don't feel like a comedian anymore. So just leaving that short of a span, I can feel that anxiety I think you're anticipating. Utah State doesn't have comedy up there? Uh, there's some. In, it, it's y- a very conservative town up there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's still a college town, so you get kind of a cool liberal side to it, too, for how small it is. There's not, I think, a lot of small Utah towns that are like that. It's good when... During the school year, and then during the summer, there's nothing in Logan as far as that opportunity. But we put on, uh, Spence and I, Spence Roper and I, we put on some headline shows in Logan that Steve did one of them. They've all been really good, and we get people out for those. But it's still, like, that's like once a month at best. Steve, do you drive back home after that show, or do you spend the night up there? Uh, I drive home. It's a long drive, but... Because uh, I've got six games up there this year. At, in Logan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything after 65 miles, they, like, give you a hotel and all that stuff. But that seems like... What what games are these? The football games up there at Utah State. Oh, yeah. Yeah, i got to go up there and work. But is that a good drive after a long day of work? Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I was in a... There's, like, a few people on my list of people who I call constantly. And some of them are my brothers. Um, it's And then some of them are just, like, other comedians that I work with a lot. And uh, I'll talk to them. After a show, I think comedians tend to be pretty chatty. And uh, so I always like to talk to somebody on that drive home just about how the comedy went and what I think worked or what could have gone better. It, it's nice because I think all my brothers, I think, are all funnier than I am. But they just ended up uh, like life just took them different ways. And so it's nice to talk to them after doing comedy because I'll get like oh, you should do this, or, or whatever. You know, it's uh, good to get their opinion and stuff. I like the drive. I just was, wish it wasn't expensive. Yeah. What's it guys cost you to come down and do comedy? 50 bucks, I'm sure. Oh, Six. you know, I don't like thinking about it. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't like... Uh, it's not that much, though. Uh, it's... It's reasonable if you're carpool. Yeah, and I come with Spence a lot. We we almost all, we went, like we try to make weekends work together and go to open mics at the same time, so we split the gas, and that works out pretty well. Uh, but yeah, it's, I can't think about it because I, I hate explaining my life to people like the living in Logan doing stand up down here mostly mm-hmm. because when I explain to people, like I don't buy it, like it's not, it's not rational. No, it's uh, totally rational. 
hopefully, hopefully that like looking back, it will be not chasing your dreams is irrational, right? Not hopefully not trying yeah. to be the man or woman or human being that you want to be. You look back when you're 70 and 80, if you're lucky to get there without goals, you're going to be sad. You, you know, get one shot. Totally. Hmm. So we have to bounce out of here in about 10 minutes. But I really want all of you on the 16th to go to the rally at the Utah State Capitol and support Cooper Van Heusen, 8 o'clock to 10.30. And then after that, there will be a rally at the 2nd District Courthouse in Ogden from 2 to 5. So please, everyone, do that. Tell your friends. Tell the people at work. It's important to get a boy out of prison. It's not fair for him. I want to know about Jordan Todd Brown. Yeah. What do you want to know? He's very confusing to me. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> In what I, way? I go on Twitter and he's taking selfie videos of him waking up from naps. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. Yeah, he he does he, he does a lot of and I say this in the best way a lot of silly comedy. It's beautiful. He does it really well. Yeah. Uh, it's a silly comedy that's completely self aware, uh, and really funny. He, like, he's he's maybe the most like naturally funny person I know. Just, just like understands comedy. It's funny always, like without forcing it. Just a really, really talented guy. He's uh, spending the summer in Bear Lake, uh, pre- performing in two different plays there at the uh, Pickleville Playhouse there. So that's part of the reason we're leaving in September is when he's done with his run there. Then we're moving. But he, uh, I bet he'd be great in theater because he's very. He has a lot of energy. It's so expressive too. Yeah. And he and he understands tone. Like he like like he's just so naturally so funny. And so I think. I keep telling people like that I'm moving to LA just to get Jordan there. Like, he just needs to and be in Jackson. front of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jordan and Jackson. Like this, if this documentary ends up being a good documentary, it's gonna be about Jordan and Jackson. What's the title? Uh, How to be funny, is the name of it. Yeah. So if anybody wants to check that out on Twitter and Facebook, you'll see updates for that. But yeah, uh, he's he's really funny. Incredible improviser. Uh, like the kind of improviser that like doesn't have to steal the stage. Uh, he, he makes everyone around him funnier great listener like it's uh really talented like i i have like i him moving with me makes me feel so much better about going to la are you going to be writing this setting up scenes for the documentary or is it all going to be improv uh yeah it's all it's all going to be organic stuff uh and and there's going to be some where it's 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 uh interviews too like i interviewed steve already uh for the documentary interviewing other people i, I wanted we i started to do this uh, when I was with Steve, I started just asking strangers about their dreams, and it like they get caught off guard at first, but people really open up, and it's really interesting That's to really see. Cool. Yeah, it's it's it's, and it's like it's it's weirdly like reassuring, and like it it, it, it there's like a weird like human kinship, mm-hmm. like that you feel that like sense of human spirit with everybody. Like there was one girl we asked at that restaurant we were at, and she wanted like her dream was just like provide free food for anybody who wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, and, she, and it wasn't just like a thought. Like she had thought this through, and like there's some people doing it in other places, and it was very altruistic and very from her heart. And then, and also the restaurant owner was uh, sitting with us there as well, <laughs> and he kind of like nodded his head. He's like, "I mean, people gotta eat. We gotta make a living. We gotta make a living." <laughs> it's like this is worth it, but how great would it be free? This was so good, but man, checks suck, don't they? Yeah. I, and I was, I was talking about this a little bit on Park City TV and with Steve is like whenever you hear a motivational speaker or somebody tell you to chase their dreams, it's usually someone who it worked out for, right? And I think this 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 documentary is going to be like 
starting telling the story not knowing how it ends. Like, uh, when, you, when you hear a motivational speaker, it's like, chase your dreams, look how great it was for me. Their big, pearly, dumb teeth and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a waste. Motivational speakers are so silly. How long are you going to keep this talking? Why aren't you doing a reality-based tele... Why don't you... Why don't... Why don't you do 25 minutes of this documentary, uh -huh. sell it to a reality television, and have it in a reality-based format? That might be a good idea. I don't know. I haven't Can you imagine Jackson with cameras 24 <laughs> hours a day? Then you got Jordan with him. Oh, man. That's the, gold. They, they made a – like, Jackson wrote a movie, and Jordan uh, was the main character in yeah, it, too. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, not – like, it's, it's, it's definitely, like, not safe for families or anything. Uh, but, it, like, they're so funny together. It's such a weird because Jordan kind of has this like sweet silly side to him, and Jackson has this like really kind of weird dark angle to uh, his stuff, and it makes uh, such a cool contrast together. The people of KU know, and I say this with joking kindness, he's a fascist. <laughs> 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 Tune in to Camp Jackie with Jackson yeah, Banks man. on demand, KURadio.org, and learn about him because it's it's. Let's get Jordan on there. Yeah. Let's get him to meet Counselor Jackie. Yeah. That would be great. Just comedy though. Are you guys gonna get jobs? Or are you guys just yeah? You have to get a day job. I don't. I didn't. I don't have enough money. The the Kickstarter was just to pay for the documentary. It's not to pay for our living expenses or anything like that, uh, which some people thought it was. So um, when you go to Studio City and try to get a writing job, are you gonna have Jackson like be your attorney? <laughs> Do it like uh, I'll have Vegas, him go with yeah. me instead, of, or like uh, or like uh, Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting show up to the <laughs> job interviews for me. <laughs> <laughs> you suspect. You suspect. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I like get, people keep asking me like this. This is another funny thing that people ask me is like, how much do TV writers make? And I really don't know. Like I have a kind of an idea. I've looked it up a little bit, but they ask me and it makes me so uncomfortable. It's like, oh no, like you've thought this through more than I have already. <laughs> like I'm like risking my whole not a life apparently on this. Uh, I, I should probably do a little bit more research. Like, this this should have been thought out more. So, you know where comedy writers make it in television where they start? WWE. Is that real? Oh, yeah. Patrice O'Neill. He was there. I mean, tons of comics. Now it's a lot of reality TV or the the They're still the, uh, the entry-level jobs. Really? Yeah. Which I would not mind having. I think that'd be fun, at least initially. I can see it getting creative, frustrating. Have you ever worked later. in television before? Like, do you know how to write scripts? Uh, I've done, I've just done spec stuff. And like, like right now I was trying to put a portfolio together from the research I've done with it. I have, I have prepared that kind of stuff, but I've never actually, you know, done any work. There's no opportunity so far, you know, to, are you, to are do you any friendly with Johnny McKeon? Uh, I don't know him. You don't know him? No. I know the name, but I don't know. He's, him. uh, my executive producer for this show. Oh, nice. He's one of my good, good friends and he works at ABC Right Maybe on. we can get you uh, to go, go to ABC for a day and sit with the producers. That'd be rad, yeah. Because if you think that the way you write now, it doesn't work for television. Right. It's so formatted, so scripted. When you send a script in, if you have one word off, they'll throw it out. Right. There's a lot to it. Have you been reading on it? Have you been watching mm -hmm. movies? Yeah, yeah, I watch movies. I, I do. There's a lot of writing podcasts I listen to as well. They've been very helpful. So I... I I'm starting to get a good, pretty good grasp on that kind of thing, the writing process and the writing world. Uh, most people don't get jobs from their por like from their portfolio. It's usually from another comedian or writer they know. So stand-up's a really good way to break into that, to 
to, to meet the other writers and that kind of a thing. But uh, it's, I don't, they're, just like stand-up itself, there's no like clear, direct path to a, a great job in it. Well, I encourage this. I embrace that goal. It's, it's one of the great things that you can do in writing. Do you have goals, Natasha, of working in TV, um, getting into sketch comedy groups? Uh? I do want to. I've been doing more writing. I was mentioning to you. I've been writing some sketches with uh, Toy Soup with Troy and Andrew, and that's been really fun. Because for the longest time, I had this weird mentality where I was like, I just want to do stand up and write stand up. I don't know why. I never tried to branch out, and then something just clicked like four or five months ago where I just felt creative in a lot of different ways so um, I do definitely want to try and branch out more with writing but also back to the other thing you guys were talking about like in terms of aspirations I feel like I'm I don't know if I'm being pessimistic or realistic but I feel like even if I don't like quote-unquote make it I feel like I see so many people who throughout their lives they still are really happy doing stand-up even if they're doing it for free mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever stop and I just think that it's like okay even if I did have to have a regular day job I would still freaking love comedy and doing comedy and watching it so I don't know I'm just maybe I'm just trying not to set expectations too high for myself or maybe I'm scared to do that but uh the only thing I've really thought about is kind of moving maybe to a smaller scene like Portland or Austin or something like that, kind of getting a little more experience. Like than smaller I than there. New York or LA. Right, exactly. Not smaller than here. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then kind of seeing if I can make any sort of name for myself there before I would maybe move yeah. elsewhere. This is the only plan I've tried to compile. Are you doing the comedy carnival this year again? I am, yeah. Because you did very well last year. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. it was so fun. It was really fun. Mr. Uh, Solbert, you doing it? No, I'll be working a race out of town that weekend. Look at you. How about you? I, I haven't submitted yet, but I'm planning on it. Do it. It's fun. Yeah, if I want to. I did I did an improv at it last year. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing you guys with, at Sugar uh, Space. Yeah, with uh, cool. my improv group from Logan. I'll be What's doing it a race. Uh, it was Logan Out Loud. I, know. <laughs> I don't I don't do a lot of improv right now, but it was Logan Out Loud was the group. I like uh, that name. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> we're playing with words. It's Logan fun. Out Loud. So next week we have fantastic shows. We have a man named Ron Stallworth coming in on Thursday. He's the black police officer that infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. He's going to come in and teach me all about that subject because I think it's weird. Why would you want to do that? Uh, There's got to be so many stories to it. And then on Tuesday we have a couple of guests, but I have no idea who. So you'll have to tune in and find out. <laughs> oh, a mystery guest. A mystery guest. Hmm. Hmm. A caper. Why would I not do that? We just had a long meeting yesterday about, like, who's... Because we're booked again for, like, weeks. And I have Johnny was just talking to me, and I saw him talking, and I saw his... But nothing, like, stayed in my head. That's, that's like me every day. That's what... <laughs> 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 it's an awful thing. It's bad. It's I work on it, right? but uh, <laughs> it's not improved. I have a head injury. From what? I was in a car accident. Really? It was. It, I use it as an excuse. I. This happened like when I was in high school, but yeah, I had amnesia and everything. Whoa! Like I was out of it for a while. Head-on car accident. Um, we rear-ended somebody, and I, I uh, did not have a seatbelt on, and broke the windshield with, with my, your face with my noggin <laughs> remember you have a joke the last time i saw you headline you had a joke that pertains to that yeah it was really really funny we were talking about that it's one of my favorite jokes my parents or my mom told all my siblings like 
to be gentle with me after the accident because I was different. <laughs> she didn't tell me this. She tells all that. So they all run to me and go, Mom says you're retarded now. <laughs> you're different. And, uh, yeah. But I'm good. I'm good. You just can't be in front of I cameras. Just, I just zone out a little bit. I don't think it's because of the accident. I think it's just because I enjoy my own thoughts. I enjoy your thoughts, too, when you present them to me on stage. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That works out. <laughs> so give me plugs one more time, people. July 11th and 12th, which is tomorrow and the day after, mm -hmm. uh, at 8 p.m., <laughs> uh, I'll be headlining the Ogden Wise Guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll be opening. I'll also be there. Um, I want to plug my friend's show because uh, it's really cool that we have these com – there's uh, three comics coming who uh, write for Tosh.0. They're going to be at Five Monkeys on the 17th – no, the 16th, uh, hosted by Jason Harvey. And then also on the 31st, Brandy Posey. Go check those shows out. And then let's see. Aren't you going to be somewhere on August 14th? Yes. The uh, Movie Grill Yeah, I'll be headlining the Movie Grill in Ogden. And then... Um, the 25th and 28th, you'll be at the SLC Comedy Carnival. Mm -hmm. And then October 5th, you'll be doing Keys on Main. How did that go, the Jordan Mazziotti show? That was one of the show? best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. So I was so impressed at what show. he put together. I mean, the amount of people that came and just the whole vibe. I mean, it was he he's doing a great job for just comedians to get that experience. And I'm really excited to be on the show. And a lot of the comics on the show I haven't had a chance to perform with. So He came in studio when uh, Chris Hollyfield was in. And he seemed very nervous about it. But he seemed ultra like, I'm going to kick ass. Like He knows what he's <laughs> doing. He totally does. I think his nervousness is just maybe hoping that it pulls through. But he really mm -hmm. did. And um, I really run. appreciate everything he does for local comedy. I mean, just out of the gate. I mean. So I haven't talked to him since couple days before the last uh, keys on May. Is that now going to be a monthly thing? No, no, no. It's um I think he only wants to do it every few months, which is why this one's so far out. Uh, mm -hmm. Such so it's and it's also really nice of Keys on Main to open their establishment up on a Sunday just for that. I mean, so yeah, I think he's just trying to keep it. I'm trying to figure out a place to put together my own show. I was talking with uh, Gavin Sheehan for a while about um, some ideas for that, but I think if I did it, it would only be every other month probably. Because there's so many shows. I don't want to step on anyone's toes or anything like that. It's kind of hard Come to Come to the U. Yeah? Yeah. We were talking, Wallace and Jackson and I and all that kind of stuff, about instead of ha keeping open mic here, but actually getting posters out and the word out and doing a monthly show or a biannually cool. show or something. Yeah. Because if BYU can do it, we can do it better. Like, that's my <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, according to Aaron Woodall, because like they sell tickets and they they do everything they are right. crazy successful. Yeah, hmm. with their shows, I I did uh, I did one of their shows, uh, and it's they have a cool room they do it in. Yeah. It's a really cool show. People laugh so hard. Like, like I think they show you don't have to be dirty to be funny. They also show like you don't have to be funny to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how good the crowds are. <laughs> yeah. That oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was like they they go and have a great time. Like the really fun shows. Well, I sincerely appreciate all of you coming in and joining me, especially on last minute. I apologize for doing that to you. Oh, Steve. it was great. I think it worked out perfect. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. No, it's our pleasure, and hopefully. We'll get all of you back in again because you guys are my heroes. Thanks, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful I see skies of blue and clouds of white The bright blessed days, the dark sacred night And I think to myself, 